Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish-tech-news. Hi everyone, just a quick favour to ask before we get going. Our podcast has gone from strength to strength lately, but we'd like to find out how we can improve. We've put together a short survey and we would love to get your feedback. Anyone who takes the time to give their feedback will be entered into competitions where they can win prizes such as smartphones, cameras and drones. So please visit irishtechnews.ie forward slash podcast dash feedback. That's irishtechnews.ie forward slash podcast dash feedback fill out the survey and to be in with a chance of winning one of those great prizes. Thanks for your time and now back to the podcast. Hello and welcome to Irish Tech News. You are listening to Ria McGuire and today I have Andrew Kyo with me. He is the founder of Aristo. Hello Andrew. Good morning and thank you for the invitation to speak to you. No worries at all. So can you kind of explain your background to those who don't know who you are or what Aristo is about? Yep, I have an interesting background and I'll give it a part of history. I started life in mechanical engineering. I started life as an engineering draftsman and then I got into sales. The thing that was interesting when I was in sales, I was asked to do a sales program with an organization called Dale Carnegie. Uh, I loved the program. I loved everything that they did. I loved their philosophy. And um, they asked me back over a period of time to be a sort of, to train as what they called an avocational coach. And even though I've had my own businesses, um, several of them, and been an entrepreneur since 1988, the thing I always enjoyed doing was the training and the coaching with people with the Dale Carnegie organization. So what actually happened in 2008 is we closed the engineering business and I decided to turn my hobby into my business. And I founded Aristo in around 2007, 2008. And the way I would explain to the people is I haven't worked a day since. It's just been great fun. I've just thoroughly enjoyed it. And I often say to myself, why didn't I do this 30 years ago? Um, so that's, that's Aristo. The explanation for people, because they often ask me, what the, why, did, why did I choose Aristo? And Aristo is a Greek boy's name. And my daughter came home, just she'd been in Greece for two years and we were looking for a name for the company. And she came home and she said, why don't you call it Aristo? And I said, why? And she said, well, one, it's short and it will be near the top of a list because it's A. But she said, more importantly, it's a Greek boy's name and it means to be the best. And immediately that sort of resonated with me. And that's why that's why the company, the business is called Aristo. And we've been going now since I say 2007, 2008-ish. Um, but my background is engineering and I had an engineering business 20 years. So I can call on all of that background because I was dealing with other big multinational companies all over, all over the world during that time. So and then motivational speaking, why was that such a hobby to you? Why did it Aristo stem from that? I think what was interesting, particularly going back to the sort of days in the Dale Carnegie program, because they ran a program called Effective Speaking and Human Relations. And what you could see at the end of it was that, uh, and back then it was a 14 week program of one night a week for 14 weeks. Now imagine trying to get people to commit to doing that now, it's just 
impossible. And obviously that's affected the programs that they run. But what was very interesting was over the 14 weeks, you could see people being literally being transformed. Uh, you could watch it week by week, night by night and see dramatic differences. And that fascinated me. People who said, for example, that they couldn't speak in front of an audience by week 14 had become very eloquent speakers. And motivation is interesting, but the way I would describe it is what I do, whether I'm dealing with a chief executive of an organization or a startup company, primarily what I'm doing is I'm giving them the confidence to tell the story that they need to tell. And more than anything else, it's about, and you know, a senior executive of a company doesn't need confidence, but he may need confidence in a particular area, how to communicate a story, if it's a very important meeting or a very important uh, audience he has to speak to. And often they will come to me in that sort of, in that sort of situation. It's not that they're lacking in confidence, but they're, they're lacking in confidence for a, a particular talk or a particular fund that they're asking for, investment that they're asking for. So that's, that's how I would describe what I do. When I, when we were talking between emails, I, I showed you, I was like, oh, what are Aristo's biggest aims? And you said Aristo's biggest aim is to rid the world of boring speakers. So can you kind of expand a little bit on what you mean? Yes, I can. Uh, and I, and what you're always looking to do as a sort of a person who's like me looking to get attention and sort of looking to deliver your message in as brief a time as you can. That one always resonates. People always ask me about that. Why do you why do you want to get rid of the world? Why do you want to rid the world of boring speakers? And the question I always answer is think of the last conference you were at. And now obviously online it's more challenging. But if you think of the last conference you were at, there was probably eight to ten speakers and if you could say that one of them was really good and really engaging and really entertaining it's probably about the best of it the rest of them were not terribly dull not terribly and pretty dull terribly uninteresting and probably read from their slides uh, so that's why i mean by rid the world of boring speakers i'd love it if i went to a conference and all the speakers were great and they were all entertaining and engaging that would really be marvelous <laughs> yeah <laughs> big ask <laughs> and then when it comes to like encouraging people to improve on their speaking to audience mm -hmm. to improve to to kind of ease them into it how is aristo different from other coaches would you say okay how we're different in that way is what i regularly say to people and i was coaching someone in france and paris this morning and i was i was telling this story is how I would see it, if I had my way, I would ban the word presentation. I would ban the word pitch. Um, the reason churches are empty is no one wants to be sermonized to anymore. And what I explained to people is what I helped them to do is have a conversation. And whether it's a conversation with one person, 10 people, 50 people or 500 people, the good speakers, engage you in a conversation. You feel that a good speaker, when you listen to a good speaker, you feel they're speaking to you and to you only. And so in exactly the same way, when I'm working with startups and saying, look, it's not about the technology. It's not about the amazing sort of app or platform you've developed. It's about how does it solve a problem for the person you're talking to? And when you solve that problem, 
how is that person's life better? How does their plant run more smoothly? Uh, how are they less stressed on a day-to-day -day basis? Have they got the funding that they asked for? Um, and that's what the, so, so it's, it's always about engaging whoever you're talking to in a conversation. And then when it comes to COVID, obviously, there's kind of, with your business, you engage with people, as you said. COVID, it's a lot of screens. There's that disconnect there, that kind of, the human element is a little bit disturbed in a way. How have you kind of adapted over the last year due to COVID? Well, I think in lots of ways, um, I'll tell you first, the simple things, like you need to sort of set up, and I see this all the time, you need to set yourself up properly if I'm coaching someone or if someone's going to present to me, I don't want to be, I don't want to be seeing their ceiling light fittings. I don't want to be looking at the nasal hair in the case of men. I, so I want them to have the camera set up so that that's eye level. So you're talking to someone, you're making eye contact. You need the room well lit, that you can't be in shadow. And you need an interesting background. And I'm not a fan of the sort of, you know, these fake backgrounds, because what I find is uh, when they present to you, then an ear disappears for a minute and the back of their head disappears. And yeah, it, it means you don't have to show off your room, but I'd be far more interested in your room. For example, uh, as you're talking to me now, uh, you can see a set of golf clubs in the corner. And what I find really interesting is people who are golfers who I'm talking to immediately start to talk to me about golf and it breaks the ice and we have a chat about uh, what golf course they play in and where I am and there's a discussion about that and it just literally sort of sets up the meeting to go in a more sort of engaging conversational way. Um, the other thing and that's just the sort of setup and there's clearly setups that you need to do you ideally have either use earbuds like I'm doing or have a good lapel microphone so that people can hear you they're the mechanics of it but the thing that's interesting what I found about sort of online is I'm finding that people are better prepared because they're coming for a meeting and they know the meeting is for an hour. Uh, and it may be, in some cases, in my case, it may be the other side of the world or the other side of Europe or the other side of Ireland. Um, generally, I find people are better prepared. So there's less time wasted. And I can sort of give them then sort of whatever is required and with a follow-up email of saying, I want, I'd like you to do this and I'd like you to answer that question. I'd like you to answer the next question before the next meeting. We set a date and it happens. So, for example, I was saying this morning for the per person in Paris, it's our third meeting in as many weeks. Now, if you were trying to do that face to face with people, I wouldn't be available. They wouldn't be available. There would be time differences. There'd be all sorts of complications. So in lots of ways for my business and for, I think, lots of people's businesses, doing things online has made life much easier. The challenge has been for companies, and this is where I do a lot of work with companies, they've been telling a story in a particular way when they're doing it face-to-face. -face. And they've been running a business in a particular way, like we'll come and see you, we'll send our engineers to your facility and they'll do the maintenance or they'll do the repairs, they'll do the service. Clearly they can't do that anymore. So now they've had to find a different way of selling their business and promoting their business. and working out how it can be done online and how it, and what they're actually finding in lots of cases they can do it more efficiently online uh, it costs them less uh, again because the people on the other end 
are more focused and deal with issues, things get done much more quickly. And often it's just a matter of plugging into someone's software system and seeing how they do it and making the changes and making the alterations. So in lots of ways for companies, it's been uh, a godsend to some extent, but also, and you know, you know, obviously people who are doing stuff in line, it's been a godsend for them, but the technology must work and it must be, it must be simple and easy to do. Yeah, yeah, of course. It was interesting because um, in the preview of your article, how you started it was about kind of how you look after your plants. <laughs> and do you feel like, especially in the, the sector that you are in when it comes to speaking, public speaking, you kind of need to do a, a mind reset. You need to do those small things to kind of clear your mind. I think so. And what I'm always explaining to people is that whatever problem they solve, talk about, find me an example of the problem that you solve. And as opposed to telling me about the technology or whatever it is that you solve, tell me a story that engages me. Let me give you a simple example. I worked some years ago with, a, with an amazing young girl called Sinead Crowther. And Sinead had a business idea. She worked in a pharmacist. She worked in a pharmacy, should I say. And what she realized was every day, mothers and parents were coming in with small children, babies and small children who'd sore throats. And there was nothing they could do for them. If it's an adult, they give you a suck, suck a zoom or suck a something that sort of helps you. But you can't give a child something to suck. Um, so what she came up with, her idea was that she came up with, um, and the business is now called Suda Solutions. And she now has a very successful business and has received over 500,000 in investment funds from Enterprise Ireland and various other people for a simple idea that solves the problem so that parents have something to give to children that's safe. And what it is really is, is at simplest, it's a lollipop that a child can hold and suck, but it solves, it solves the problem. So if you can explain what you do clearly and simply, and ideally what you're looking for, and investors are, are a classic example of this. Investors have children, investors have babies, investors have gone through that. So what you want them to see is, oh yeah, that's a really big idea. That's a, I would be interested in that. I can't go home and tell my son about that. And, and that's what you're looking to do. Um, and what I often see is uh, when I sit on judging panels and when I listen to people present, is at the end of it, I don't know what the problem that they solve is. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I, I, I was involved in a pitch competition in the States uh, about a month ago, or maybe a little bit longer. And a man came on and he presented, and he was presenting to do with the insurance industry in healthcare. And he had all the jargon, and it all sounded really important, and it all sounded really successful. And when he was finished, I was sitting, I was, I was here in Ireland, I was sitting online, as, as the other judges were. And um, my thought process was, I have no idea what this man is talking about. None whatsoever. No one whatsoever. So then I assumed, well, obviously the other judges are American, they may very well know. So the first judge came on and he said, congratulations, uh, you've spoke within the five minutes. And I went, uh-oh, there's something else coming. And then he said, yes, you did but I have no idea what your business was about. <laughs> uh, and so it has to be, 
you have to tell a problem that the person you're talking to is in need of a solution for, whether that's a company or whether it's an investor. It's I must I must see. Yeah, that's a really big, that's a really that's a really big problem, uh, and that's where um, where you engage people. So it's very simply the three questions I every person I sit down with to prepare a talk, the three questions I have them to go off and prepare first and foremost is, what's, who's the customer? Who are you talking to? Who's your audience? What problem do you solve for that audience? And when you've solved it, how is their life better? And you must answer those three questions in whatever conversation you're having with people whether it's a sort of a, a one minute conversation or a 45 minute conversation, you have to answer those three questions. Who's my audience? What problem do I solve for my audience? And when I solve that problem, how do I make their life better? Since you launched Aristo and how it's kind of grown over the years, how have the responses been from companies and what you do? How has the responses been? Well, it's, it's like everything else. What I find is that some people, the way I explain it resonates with them and they buy into it. And like, for example, I, I do business with Intel. I do business with IBM. I do business with some of the biggest pharma companies in the country over the last 10 years or so. Um, I also coach in DCU. I coach in Trinity College. So clearly there's people who get it. And then there's other people who don't. <laughs> and the answer is, you speak to the people who get it and you don't speak to the people who don't. <laughs> You're just wasting your time. Uh, but for example, just, you know, my articles have now been published in Irish Tech News for the last four or five years. There's over 100 articles published. That I understand they're very well read. And... Um, and so I've built up a community of people who, who believe in what I do and, and regularly engage me. Thankfully, that's, that's good for me. But it's, it's also, I'd like to think, I help people to realize that if you have a conversation, it's much more, it's, well, if you have a conversation with people, it's much less stressful than trying to present to them, trying to pitch to them or trying to lecture to them. Uh, just think about it as, I'm going to have a conversation today. I'm going to turn up and I'm going to have a conversation with these people. And whether it's five or 50 or 500, it doesn't really matter. It's, I'm going to turn up and have a conversation. I'm going to engage them in a conversation. And, and a conversation, very simply, is a collection of stories. Uh, I've just told you the story about Sinead Carter. I could tell you sort of another half dozen more of companies that have sort of stood out and excited me. Um, I probably coached certainly in excess of several thousands now and uh, but interestingly the ones I remember are the good stories uh, I can tell you often I sort of meet people now and I haven't met them for six or seven years and they introduce themselves with a the company and I don't necessarily remember them but I say immediately tell me the story and as soon as they tell me the story I remember the business and I remember I remember all about it because it's it's always about it's always about the story a good story always sells. Yeah, and and the secret to a good story is that uh, it needs detail and it needs sort of the 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 famous American writer whose name escapes me now at the moment. The guy who did all the bullfighting and all of that sort of stuff. 
but he said when you to be a great writer, what you do is you write down the truest thing you know, and then you write down the second truest thing you know, and then you write down the third truest thing you know. And regularly I see startup companies who put a slide up and they tell me it's a $35 billion market. And there's two guys, wherever, it doesn't matter where they are, uh, in some back bedroom trying to start a business. Now, I'm not inclined to believe that anytime soon they're going to get 10% of a $35 billion market. But what I do want them to do is tell me the story of how they plan to attack that market, how they plan to... These will be the first five companies we talk to. After we've sort of engaged with those five companies and perhaps got some business, we're going to go. Uh, like re recently, I was talking to someone who's got a, a sort of a really clever idea to do with hospitals. Um, and how I got him to explain it is I said, look, what we do is there's, uh, he'd already been talking to four or five hospitals in Ireland. So we turned two or three of those hopefully into customers. How many hospitals then is there in Ireland that you have the potential to do business with? If there's 50 hospitals in Ireland, there's 500 in the UK. If there's 500 in the UK, there's probably 50,000 in America. So tell me how you're going to get the first five. Tell me how you're going to get the first 50. Tell me how you're going to turn the 50 into 500. And then I have a much better understanding of how you can get the $35 billion market. Um, and that's and the other point is that often when they when they tell the story of the $35 billion, they don't really believe it themselves. Uh, so it's tell the truest thing you know. We believe we can sell into these five hospitals. After we've sold into these five hospitals, we can believe we can sell into another 20. And that's much more believable and much more engageable, much more engaging. Have you seen Aristro kind of change um, since you began it or has it stayed the same or has it grown in any way? Is there anything else you'd more you'd like to add? One of the things I say to people is when they're starting a business, and most people I'm talking to are either in a business or starting a business, but the most important thing, particularly if you're starting a business, is you need to identify your niche. You need to identify, it isn't 35 billion. What's the percentage? Who's the group within that 35 million that you can, 35 billion that you can do business with? So identify your niche and what happened to me is when I started Aristo um, very early on um, DCU contacted me the invents part of DCU contacted me and asked me to come in and talk to startup companies and I ended up being for a long number of years I ended up being what they call their their, pitch, their resident pitch coach uh, and out of that I realized that nobody was doing what I was doing there's lots of people who will do presentation skills who say stand up straight and make eye contact and take their hands out of your pockets and that sort of stuff. But no one was doing um, pitch coaching. How do you pitch to get sales or investment? And that's been my niche. And, and interestingly, over the years, it's probably got narrower rather than wider. I just get, I, I, I concentrate more on my niche. And as a result of that, you get better at it because you're, you're focused on something that's very clear and very focused. And uh, uh, now I would like to think, um, certainly in Ireland and certainly rapidly now, not rapidly, becoming in Europe as well, um, 
I'm getting inquiries from all over Europe for people who want sort of pitch coaching. Uh, just got one recently from Monaco. And um, so that's my advice to most people is identify your niche and be a, become an expert in that area. How can people kind of connect with you or learn more about you? Well, there's, there's several ways. Uh, and thankfully, over the years now, my name has got quite popular. So they can simply type in Andrew Kyo on, on LinkedIn and they'll go straight to me. But probably more importantly is if you go to the website, which is aristo.ie, you will find out all about Aristo and me, but also you will find over 100 articles that are free on presenting, coaching, um, communicating with people. And they're very useful articles, all about sort of generally about 500 words. But uh, if nothing else, they will find those articles to be very useful and very, very valuable. And obviously then they can clearly, if they, if they engage, they can come and contact me. I generally am very happy to talk to anyone for sort of a half an hour. I, I don't expect to be paid for it. I'm happy to talk to someone for half an hour, give them some advice. And if they think the advice is good, they can come back and talk to me at a later stage. Do con contact me, aristo.ie or on LinkedIn, and I'll only be too happy to engage with you and see how we might be of benefit to you at some point in time. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's been an actual pleasure to talk to you. My pleasure, Ria. Thank you very much. And thank you again for all over the years for the support from Irish Tech News. It's always been tremendous. Thank you. And you have been listening to the Irish Tech News podcast. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.